In late June of 2020, Oscar found something in their apartment in Montreal, Canada. Something so unexpected that it almost induced a panic attack. Oscar, by the way, is a pseudonym to protect their identity. We'll explain why later. A few weeks before their discovery, they were chilling at home in their apartment. It was June 1st, 2020. June 1st, 2020. Yeah, so I was listening to music. I was smoking out the window, the usual. It suddenly started through the wall and it was bad. Like, it Mm. was very bad. Oscar was doing what a lot of people in their apartment buildings with thin walls do. They were listening to their neighbors. And tonight's fight between their neighbor, who we'll call Maria, and her boyfriend was especially nasty. I heard what sounded like a bookshelf or a table or something get knocked over, furniture banged into the wall. She just screamed, how dare you do this to a woman in her own fucking home? And then, like, by this point, I was over by the door, like, looking out through the peephole, just like, ah, what do I do? And as they were looking through the peephole... The door came open in the hallway. Mm-hmm. The the boyfriend came like half falling, half running out, clutching at his neck, oh ran God. up the stairs. And Maria comes out limping, like clearly injured in her right leg, holding a bloody knife. It was a lot to take in. Oscar knew their neighbor Maria, the two were friendly. She'd confided in Oscar about her boyfriend being abusive. And now she was limping, her boyfriend had run away. It was all so chaotic. Oscar went over to console Maria and found her in her apartment, injured and totally distraught, on the phone with the police. 12, 13 cops showed up about five oh minutes God. later with their guns drawn, with the red laser pointers on their guns. All just pointed them at our chests and said, mm-hmm. put your hands up, in French, of course, put your hands up and told, made us get on the ground, handcuffed us both. There was a blonde lady cop who kneeled on my back while handcuffing me. And while she was doing that, two cops went into my apartment and searched it. Which Oscar did not consent to. They just walked in through the open door, thinking Oscar had some connection to the attack other than just being a bystander. I was like, this is bullshit, man. I came out to help out my neighbor. Mm -hmm. And now we're the ones who are on the ground handcuffed. After a couple hours, they let Oscar go and took Maria away. Oscar was cold and exhausted and went back to their apartment to find the door still hanging open. They went in and all the glaring overhead lights were on. I was a bit blinded at first, but I noticed, okay, yeah, they knocked the the bar stool over. They have my coats on the floor, so I turned a couple of lights off, checked the bathroom out. And that's when Oscar noticed that this white door that had been bolted shut since they moved in Well, it was no longer bolted. And I'm just like, oh, the door is open. You can't miss this door. It's in their kitchen next to their fridge. It wasn't really explained to them when they moved in. So they'd always wondered, what is behind that door? Like I sometimes would hear little noises here and there. Like sometimes it sounded like, oh, is that a mouse? Sometimes it sounded like, oh, is there somebody back there? And now the cops had just ripped it right open. Oscar walked towards it. Okay, well, I I guess I'll check that out. (laughs) And they carefully peeked in. What was behind it? It was like I thought it would be, basically like a garage or a storage unit. There was a wooden table on one side, and there was a a footstool kind of off in a corner. Okay, so it was kind of anticlimactic. Uh, Yeah, honestly, it it was a room. 
So for that night, I just closed it up and uh, I went back into my main apartment and called my grandparents and said, hey, (laughs) some shit went down. At that point, this was just a crazy, unexpected and pretty upsetting night. A story they'd probably share over dinner with friends. But one of the consequences of that night, what they'd eventually find behind this door, would feel like a total fantasy. I'm Rima Khreis, and welcome to This is Uncomfortable, a show from Marketplace about life and how money messes with it. On the show this week, what happens when you stumble across something that has the potential to completely change your life? This is a story about when a fantasy becomes a reality and how that fantasy collides with ethics and eventually regret. When all of this went down, Oscar was in a pretty bleak place. I was in my own underground world all the time. Less than a year before, their mom had died unexpectedly at the age of 38. She dropped my sister off at dance class and then gone home. And by the time my sister got home later that night, she was just dead on the floor. She had Oscar when she was just a teenager. And so she hadn't been around much when Oscar was a kid. They'd only recently gotten closer. I was like just starting to develop a relationship with someone who I was genuinely very similar to in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways and just hadn't known that, hadn't had the opportunity to know that. It was a dark time, and they were dealing with this loss all alone. Their dad isn't in the picture, and Oscar's grandparents, who'd practically raised them, were a thousand miles away in Iowa. At the time, Oscar was in Montreal for school, getting a master's degree in philosophy. But the workload had started to feel impossible while grieving their mom. I couldn't really focus. I remember one week it was just like, your reading assignment for this class is to read this entire book of Freud. I'd prefer not to read about the Oedipus complex while I'm dealing with my mom dying. (laughs) So they took a leave from their program. Financially, things were tough. They had less than $500 in savings. Oscar's grandparents had been helping them out with rent and bills. But now, without a student visa, they couldn't work. And so Oscar felt like they'd have to rely on their grandparents even more. My grandparents aren't wealthy. They're Mm -hmm. not. They are extremely working class. And was that stressing you out, like having to lean on your grandparents? Yeah, yeah, it very much was. It was, it wasn't like a pride thing. Like, it's not like I'm so ashamed that I have to ask for help. Mm -hmm. It was more like, they're old, they're retired. I don't actually know how much like is in their account. So it's just, I don't want to be a burden or whatever. That summer, the summer of 2020, one of the few things that got Oscar out of their apartment were the Black Lives Matter protests. It was an issue they felt strongly about, gave them a sense of purpose and a feeling of camaraderie. And in fact, they met someone at a protest and they started dating. But still, this was last summer during the pandemic, and it was hard mostly being stuck at home in that apartment. It just wasn't a nice place to be. There's one window in the whole apartment, so there's basically no light. Um, Fairly smoke-damaged, always smelled like the previous owner's dog. And Oscar's landlord made it feel even worse. 
My landlord is a bit of a scumbag. He had a habit of coming around on literally the second of every month to everybody in the building who hadn't paid rent and just screaming at them. Sometimes when Oscar felt especially trapped, when they were dreaming of some kind of escape, their mind would drift to that new extra room in their apartment, the one that was revealed when the cops ripped the door open. So it was uh, June 25th. 2020. I was just bored around the house. And then I decided, well, there's some light bulbs that are dead in that room. Mm. I have some extra light bulbs. Why don't I change some light bulbs? That'll kill 15 minutes. They entered the room with their new light bulbs and a stepladder. And while I was on the stepladder, I noticed there was a space at the top of the wall. And up there, just illuminated by the light of the bulb that I just turned on, Mm -hmm. uh, I could see two trash bags, two black trash bags. And I was like, okay, what's this? Oscar reached up and grabbed the two bags. And I'm like, well, these are heavy. Okay. Okay. I didn't open it in there. I just went back out into my living room where there was a little bit better light. Um... And I looked in it. I looked yeah. in the first bag, and it was just money. It, it was, was just money. a bunch of money. It was just a bunch of money. <laughs> right there, buried in the bags, were stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks of bills. Some in envelopes, others wrapped in rubber bands. And I checked the other trash bag. It was also full of money. Yeah, it was just a bunch of hundreds and fifties. Wow. I, I, I immediately just... What the fuck? <laughs> I grabbed a few of the the bands and the envelopes and I just sort of like flicked through it a little bit and was just like, this is real money, right? Just feeling it. Oscar could barely process it. Like their mind wasn't registering it. It's like, do what I, I what do I do? What do I do? <laughs> what 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 do this I do? This is real money, right? This is so it's much money. A ridiculous amount just of money sitting in front of me. Stupid like, amount of money to just be in hidden in your wall. So how much money did you think it was? I could tell that it was several hundred thousand dollars. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes, yes. I can't get over this story. I just like, this is the kind of thing people fantasize about. Just stumbling across money. Right. Like, a lot of us have had this fantasy before. You know, just randomly finding a lot of money. And as they were telling me this story, I started daydreaming about what I might do with a pile of cash like this. Like, would I use it all to buy a house or to travel? Would I finally send my parents on that vacation to Hawaii I promised them when I was a kid? Or I guess I could finally get a new car. Oh, and I definitely want to get a king-size bed. But I really wanted to know what Oscar, in that moment when they were sitting on their living room floor alone, surrounded by wads of cash, what did they fantasize about doing with the money? There's a lot of homeless people in my area. It's a lot of cash. Just walk around and be like, here's an envelope, here's an envelope, here's an envelope, here's an envelope. There's all the protests that were going on at the time, and I was like, huh, I could probably acquire a lot of, like, gas masks for people. I could outfit a lot of protesters. Some of it would have to go back to paying off my grandparents for, you know, helping me with university, but... Broadly, it would have just freed me up from having to get a day job so that I can do the things that I actually enjoy for at least some amount of time. They really didn't have this long prepared list of things they wanted to buy or grand plans they had spent a lot of time thinking about, 
even when I asked them to really slow down and fantasize with me just for like a second, like, wait, what would my life be like? Yeah, but it just, I, it really wasn't, for some reason, that just wasn't where my headspace was at. Okay, fair. Instead, their headspace kept going to... Someone will probably try and kill me. I I didn't count the money, because one, there was a lot of it, and two, I was freaking out, and I was like, if I, if I keep this someone will probably try and kill me. So I probably shouldn't get my fingerprints all over it. Oh, you were already thinking, and okay. They had no idea who this money belonged to. I mean, was it from the previous tenant? Is a fugitive stashing it? Was someone still looking for it? Oscar sat on their couch and tried to think. My heart was going incredibly fast. I, my hands, when I get nervous, my hands sweat a lot. Mm -hmm. I was freaking out and just did not know what to do and needed help. My mind went to, call your grandmother. (laughs) So they called her up, and of course, with a totally calm and collected voice, Oscar told her what happened. Yeah, it was like, Grandma, I I found this stuff in the wall. Oh my God, it's so much money. Ah! Ah! (laughs) And she's just like, call the police. Call the police now. And I was like, are you sure? Should should I do that? I don't think that's the right idea. Ah! All the protests, you know. Ah! She's like, Oscar, someone will come and kill you. (laughs) Call the police. And when Oscar's grandma called their uncle to tell him Oscar found this money. He immediately called me, and his response was, put the money back. Mm. Don't call the cops. Mm. Uh, He said to do that and then do everything I could to get out of the apartment as fast as possible. Apparently, no one in this family is into fantasizing about piles of cash. Every last one of them just wanted it gone immediately. Oscar didn't want to interact with the police. They didn't really trust the cops. They also didn't want to flee their apartment and face even more upheaval in their life. So... They listened to their grandma and called the police. Remember, this is in Canada, in Montreal, so they relayed everything in French. Bonjour, um, je m'appelle Oscar. Um, J'ai trouvé beaucoup de monnaie dans dans les murs de mon appartement. Uh, And they were like, uh, quoi? If you didn't catch that, Oscar was like, I found some money. And the cops were like, what? The cops told Oscar to just hold on to the money and they'd be there soon. Oscar hung up and then waited. Just sitting there with the money. And that's when the regret started to set in. That's after the break. Right after Oscar called the police to tell them about the bags of money that were just chilling behind their wall, they all of a sudden started to wonder, did I just make a huge mistake? I had taken one envelope of hundreds out and I was just like, I could definitely hide this. I could definitely stash this. I should keep this. And then like, no, puts it back. No, I'm going to keep it. No. $10,000 would obviously be helpful in a less horrifying sense than here's hundreds of thousands of dollars because hundreds of thousands of dollars, that's like ruin your life. If the money happened to be legal and legitimate and then they had an actual count on the money and then I had $10,000 and the count was $10,000 off, any suspicion would obviously come back to me. 
I had it in my hand when I heard the police start coming down the stairs, and I was just oh. like, fine. And I just put it back in the bag. <laughs> when the police got there, they came in, and Oscar showed them the money. They just walked in, and they're like, so this is the money? Wow. <laughs> you found it in here? Dang, that's strange. Why'd you call us? Wait, did they I'm actually like, say that? Yeah. Yeah, they said, why did you call us? Oh, my God. And I was like, because I'd rather not die or get arrested. <laughs> oh, did you feel like a moment of regret when they said that? Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's like, <laughs> you wouldn't have caught me. <laughs> uh, and they were just like, wow. I don't know how many people would call the police over this. No, You're really. a special one. And I'm like, okay, well, mm. now I feel worse. <laughs> so the police pulled it out of the bags, looked around Oscars a little bit, had them sign a form, and then left with the money. They were gone for a couple hours and then came back with another form for Oscar to sign. They'd counted all the money and told Oscar the grand total. The $192,800. Wow. That's Canadian dollars, by the way. So Oscar asked the police, what happens with this $200,000 now? And they said, well, if it's like, it's probably involved in a crime. Mm -hmm. If we prove that it's involved in a crime, then we'll either give it back to who it belongs to or the city takes it. Okay. But then they said something that gave Oscar just a little hope. The police said if they can't prove it's involved in a crime and no one claims it, well, then... Then... I will have a claim to it, Hmm. but I'll need to get a lawyer for it. Might take a while, but it could happen. When the police left, Oscar, feeling a little on edge now, made sure to lock their door. And just to be extra safe, they also locked the room back up where they found the money. They could hear their grandma's voice playing in their head. She was just very worried that somebody would come and break my legs Mm -hmm. in the night or something. But at the same time, I figured if anything bad happened that it was kind of out of my control. After a few days, after things felt a little calmer, Oscar tried to piece things together. They thought of their landlord. They hated their landlord, like a lot of people do. But they also suspected that something shady was going on with him. And now that they'd found this money, Oscar started to think, hmm, maybe I should look into that. So Oscar sat down at their computer and started Googling. And they saw some headlines in the Montreal papers. Headlines that talked about how their landlord was charged with tax evasion. Yeah, he'd been fined by the government. So this guy was in a lot of legal trouble. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oscar was right. Their landlord was involved in criminal activity. And now this money, well, it was hard not to connect it back to him. For a couple weeks, things were pretty quiet. Until one morning, Oscar woke up to a loud noise. Drilling noises, <laughs> loud banging. And then Oscar heard a couple of voices. Being like, uh, just take the whole fucking wall off. Maybe it <gasps> fell behind. It's oh a lot God. of money. <laughs> Someone on the other side of the wall was looking for the money. Oscar threw on their blue checkered robe and grabbed a pen and paper to record everything they heard, just in case they had to talk to the police again. And it was mostly just swearing and loud machine noises. I was immediately, like, sweating, and I was just, like, a lot of anxiety, mostly. 
Then Oscar quickly realized that they recognized one of the voices. I figured it was probably him. It was their landlord. Once again, Oscar's suspicions seemed to be spot on. Oscar says the landlord had brought some guy along with him to look for the money. And at one point, Oscar says this guy told the landlord. It's not back there, boss. Um, Mm. Yeah, and uh, the landlord then kicked the door from his side, uh, you know, and said, well, maybe my tenant has it. It wasn't long before the landlord was banging on Oscar's door. When Oscar opened it, they say they immediately explained everything, how they'd found the money, and turned it over to the police. And the landlord was just like, what? Why, why'd you call the police? He's like panicking, like more panic than anger. His his guy next to him is just like trying to, trying to mean mug me, you know, trying to look hard and give me that like stern mm-hmm. look. But he's just clearly like, oh, damn. Then Oscar says they told the landlord, if you want the money, you can call the police. And then they handed the landlord a card with the officer's information. And then he just snatches the card out of my hand and he's like, have a nice day, asshole. We reached out, by the way, to the landlord, but he didn't respond to our multiple requests for comment. After that incident, Oscar kept their distance from the landlord. They only talked if it was absolutely necessary. Then a few months later, Oscar moved out. Things had gotten serious with their partner, the person they met at a protest. My partner and I were like, well... Let's get married. We love each other anyway. Might as well do that. It sucked to not be together. So, yeah. They got a new place together, but it's also not great. They've got a bit of a mold problem. The two of them are also financially pretty stretched. Oscar is still out of work, and their partner does sex work, so they don't have a totally stable income. In the weeks and months following this incident, Oscar tried calling the police, asking for updates about the money, wondering what or if there was in fact a connection to their landlord, but they got nothing. They also tried getting advice from lawyers, just cold calling one after the other. They would always be like, hello, uh, I found a bunch of money in the wall, and I'm wondering, are you the right kind of lawyer to help me keep that money? I'm told that I might have a legal claim to it, but uh, only if it's not involved in a criminal case. Are you the right lawyer for that? And the answer would always just be like, I can't do anything for you until the case closes. One lawyer told Oscar it could take years. But the thing is, because Oscar dropped out of school and doesn't have a work visa, they're living illegally in Canada which is why we're using a pseudonym for them, by the way. Now, their spouse could sponsor them, but the two of them are currently on welfare. And in Canada, you can't sponsor a family member if you're getting social assistance. So long as I am still here in this country and haven't been deported, there's a chance I'll get the money eventually. Yeah, there's a chance. But it sounds like you, even if you do have a claim, you can't do anything about it until you're legal in the country. Correct. And you can't do anything about that until you and your spouse are off off of welfare, but you can't do anything about that until y'all get enough money, but you can't get a lot of money because you're not working. Yeah, it's, it's it's a bit of a trap. But Oscar says they're hopeful that their financial situation will get better and that they'll be able to stay legally in the country. So it's been about a year since you found the money, a little over a year. How often do you think about it? Not every day, but at least a few times a week. Yeah. Just like, yeah, like, oh, that would have been helpful. Or, oh, gosh, would have been nice to do that or whatever it is. But Mm -hmm. mostly it's just like, I'm going to wait. 
So, say say we have a time machine and we go into that yeah. time machine and you're back in that moment. Yeah. You're back in your apartment. You find the bags yeah. of cash. Mm-hmm. What do you do? I think rather than calling my grandmother, I call my spouse is honestly the best option. Mm. I think she was giving me the best advice that she knew how to give. And I don't think it's necessarily wrong advice. Even I just think that maybe I should have done something different. Is your spouse around? Uh, They're in the other room. Yeah. I kind of want to ask them what they would have advised you. Oh, yes. Okay. Hello. Hi. Okay. Here. Um, The interviewer would like to ask you, what would you have told me to do if I'd called you about the money? Oh, God. Um... Here you go. Say hello. (laughs) Hello? (laughs) Hi. Um, Hi. I was just so curious what you would have told uh, Oscar to do. Um, You know? Gosh. If they'd called you Um... instead of their grandma. (laughs) Well, I probably... Yeah, so they were panicking. Um, If they hadn't called their grandparents first and dealt with the cops yet, I probably would have told them to take some of the money, like not a Mm. lot or like not a noticeable amount, but like some. Yeah. Yeah, if I'm being honest. Oscar's spouse sounds pretty nonchalant now, but that was not their reaction when Oscar first shared what happened. I was just sort of there rolling around being like, oh, my God, like, why did you call your grandparents? And why did your grandmother say to call the police? That's so dumb. (laughs) Like, you could have taken some of that. If Oscar did take some of it, you know, they'd pocketed a few envelopes. What would you have done with it? With ten, twenty thousand dollars. I think that would have probably gone mostly to your debt. (laughs) (laughs) My student debt? Yeah. (laughs) Right away, they were pretty practical with how they'd spend the money. On debt, bills, you know, just on the kind of expenses they'd need to stay afloat. Obviously, this is like long-term goal, but like to just have it to like put something down on like a place or something. Yeah, but... Probably not enough. I spent about 30 minutes listening to the two of them, sitting side by side on their bed, going in circles about what ifs or what could have happened or what should have happened or what may end up happening. Like, you probably can't walk into a bank with $200,000. Where did you get this money? Why is this not on your taxes? You're going to have to do money laundering at some point. Or, I don't know, pretend you made, like, a really nice art piece. Yeah, but then you would need a sales receipt and somebody to have bought it and somebody to have had the income to have bought it. Um, I guess that's true. I don't know, do the Breaking Bad thing and just get a car wash. In that case, just, like, use it for smaller purchases. And then it's just like, yeah, I'm sitting on this giant mound of cash for groceries for the next (laughs) decade. But then they kept reminding themselves, $200,000 is a dangerous amount of money. Honestly, I probably would have done something stupid and then gotten in trouble. (laughs) Like, it's it's honestly more hassle than it's worth to have that much money just plop into your lap. Yeah, they didn't really get anywhere. It felt like there was no clear right and no clear wrong here. Only endless speculation about what would have been a better thing to do. I could have changed a lot of people's lives. I could have helped a lot of people. I could have hurt a lot of people. And I could have hurt a lot of people by trying to help them. 
Hearing them, it made me realize when you daydream about something you know will probably never happen, it's like your brain is almost wired to think of all the downsides. You play up all the bad possibilities to avoid feeling disappointment or regret. What does it feel like to fantasize about this alternate life? A little bit stressful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's a little bit stressful, yeah. Yeah. Being a sex worker and an illegal immigrant, we're just generally more cognizant of, like, money not always being a thing that we can use. Yeah. Well, I hope that you do get the money, even if it (laughs) causes some stress. Yeah, we do, too. Yeah. In a few years, I'm sure we'll have a use for it. (laughs) Yeah? In what sense? Uh In a few years, I feel like we'll figure things out. Mm. Or... Maybe we'll just suddenly have more need for gas masks in a few years, let's say. Oh, no. I hope not. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't want to end on that note. <laughs> Use the money for gas masks. Okay, okay. Find something nicer to say. <laughs> uh, sorry, gosh. Beans, then. $200,000 of dried beans. Dried? Why not some canned beans, too? You don't want to spend, like, three hours or overnight just to make something with beans in it all the time. All right, that is all for this week's episode. If you have any thoughts or stories of your own that you want to share, you can always reach me and the team at uncomfortableatmarketplace.org. Also, be sure to sign up for our newsletter if you haven't yet. It comes out every Friday, and the team always shares some really great recommendations on things to read and watch and listen to. We also started a new video series where I ask people uncomfortable money questions. You can catch that and much more by subscribing at marketplace.org comfort. All right, our team is me, Rima Hreis, Donna Tam, Megan Dietry, Peter Balanon Rosen, Camila Kerwin, and Phoebe Unterman. Phoebe Unterman lead produced this episode. Megan Dietry is our senior producer. Our intern is Serena Chow. Our editor is Karen Duffin. Tony Wagner is our digital producer. Sound design and audio engineering by Drew Jostad. And our theme music is by Wonderly. This is Uncomfortable is funded in part by the Cy Sims Foundation, which supports advances in education, scientific research, and the arts. All right, I'll catch y'all next week.